Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Ghost Spider Groupies, the podcast dedicated to Gwen Stacy of Earth-65, also known as Spider-Gwen and Ghost Spider, where we review her comics, discuss news, and give our opinions about all things Gwen 65. I'm Abigail. And I'm Pax. Well, it's uh, it's been a while since the last episode. Um, I, wonder, I wonder if anybody's been up to or been anywhere and done something really interesting to tell the listeners about. I wonder if there's anybody who could who could help enlighten us on that sort of adventure, you know? Yeah, so um, I think our last episode that we dropped, that was yeah, back in October, and that was the week before NYCC. And yes, I did attend NYCC. It was a really great experience. Yeah, tell us about who you met. Who did, did you meet? Anybody interesting at NYCC? Anybody? Anybody we've read, perhaps, or or, or seen the art of? Yeah, I came across a few Gwen adjacent comic creators. Uh, the first Gwen creator I actually got to meet was Takeshi Maezawa, who you might know. He did the back half of Spider Gwen Go Spider, and then the first half of Ghost Spider 2019 and also did some of the uh, fill-in art for Last Remains of which Gwen was a part of. Yes. And I got this really cool commission from him. Where is it? Oh, yeah. I got a really cool M. Jarnage from him. The people at home can't see it, but it's really sick. Mm-hmm. It's it, it, Have you posted that one online at all? I haven't. Um, no. The only place I posted of is um I have this Facebook group where everyone just posts sketches or commissions or original art that they've gotten from comics artists and then uh, they just share it to everyone. That's the only place I've shared it to, but not um outwardly to the public, if you know what I mean. I guess readers, uh, listeners will just have to uh, accept that that it is indeed a very cool commission from Takeshi Maezawa of M. Jarnage. I also got to uh, meet the cover artist of some of the uh, books that we've been reading recently, you know, like Gwenverse, Shadow Clones, and now Smash. I got to meet one Mr. David Nakayama. He's a really cool dude. Boo! Don't do that. He's nice. Okay, he was probably very nice. I, you know, oh. How how was it? Did you did you get any art of of Mr. David Nakayama? He wasn't uh, sketching at the show. He was only doing uh, re- remarks, but um, he had a list for those remarks. I think so. I wasn't able to get on it. But another sketch that I got, who was another Gwen creative, was one Tim Seeley, who we actually interviewed on this podcast last year mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. It, Tim Seeley, as he likes to describe himself, is one of those slash people, writer slash artist. And I got yeah. to uh, commission him. Slash lecturer. Because we found out he had like a day job in the interview. And he also happens to write hack slash. So I guess he has a thing for slash. Yeah. I, I will say that's probably one of our best episodes is the interview with Tim Seeley. I, I feel like he was he was very frank and honest about what it's like to be a comic writer in the modern comics industry. Um, and and I, I got quite a bit of respect for him. So, yeah, the uh, piece that I got from him is I felt like this was kissing up to him a little bit. But, you know, come on, I had to. It's one of his uh, creations alongside Peach Momoko and Jody Nishijima. Gwen Vereen. Yeah. 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 It's, um, I, 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 I am also seeing it and it looks very good. Is there any chance we could we could post to the um podcast's Twitter account your your commissions that you've mentioned in this episode so listeners have somewhere to go look at these very cool Gwen 65 specific commissions you've been getting. Yeah, I probably should post it maybe once the episode drops or a few days after the episode I'll probably just uh, put it on and um another piece of art even though he hasn't done um, anything official with Gwen yet, other than doing a variant cover for Extreme Venomverse, showing his Gwenum. I got to reunite with Ryan Stegman, who uh, gave me a piece. And although Pax has memory hold it, I still like to continuously tease her about it. One where Kane and Gwen, I have it on a blank of Clone Conspiracy number one, where they're just, you know, they're just best friends. They're just friends. So long as they're just friends, it, this is this is completely fine. This is they're just two very good friends uh, hanging out. You know, yeah, they're just being best friends. 
I, 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 you know, I, I think the world of Ryan Stegman and and of Abigail here, but you know, I don't know about that. I don't know about them as a ship, um, as as Gwen and Kane as a ship. Sorry, but no, but this depiction, this is totally innocent. Yes, yes, and it is, uh-huh. which you can actually see on Ryan Stegman's Twitter. Yeah, yeah, that's fun. That's just yeah, it's, the the spider spider pals kind of energy in that commission is fun. The real heroes of clone conspiracy, besides Anna Maria Marconi. Mm. Any other commissions? Any other big names? This was a commission that was technically done at last year's NYCC, but I picked it up this year from my friend from the KLC Press Discord group. Uh, one of my friends, I had him on my behalf commission Federico Vicentini last year, who you know is a Marvel Stormbreaker, and he also did uh, some art for Last Remains. Well, I think it was during the uh the dot lr issues that he did the art on but anyway uh yeah i got a really cool gwenum from him i don't think i've seen this before i think it's on federico's twitter i'm not sure wait not twitter i think insta it's like feathers it's like a feather scarf but it's also gwenum that's so fun I think he was more uh, doing the reference of the shoulder spikes as David Nakayama uh, has on his variant covers. Because if you've noticed, uh, David Nakayama, one of his Gwenum versus Carnage variants has just Gwenum, but uh, her shoulder spikes are like wild. Damn. Yeah. Um, any other, any other, were there any other creatives uh, that have worked on Gwen that you bumped into at all? I got to meet Melissa Flores, who is now currently writing Spider Gwen Smash. Yes, that's very big. What did what did Melissa Flores have to say to you? She said that she just loves writing Gwen, getting to put her love of music into her writing because Melissa herself she loves music and she really wanted to lean into you know Gwen uh, being in a band because if you've noticed, like I don't think it's been brought up since the Latour run how important Gwen is to the band or even vice versa. Yeah, true. And plus she has a special connection uh, to the cities that she chose the country tour on. I think I will let her explain that. Like, I think I can confirm this, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Once the book concludes, we are going to have Melissa Flores and Anid Balam onto the show to talk about the book. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna talk to them about it and whether or not we really liked it or really didn't like it. You know, we'll see we'll see how it goes. But other than the creatives, I really got to meet some cool people that we've talked to previously on the show. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I got to meet Saren, who <laughs> it was a really um funny story behind that because it was a meeting of chance. So. When I was at the Amazing Spider-Man Gang War panel and it was q and I went up to the mic to line up to go ask my question. And lo and behold, the person in front of me is Saren. Wow. Like, she didn't know it at the time because it was just a, like a five-second exchange because, you know, she had to get back to her seat. And I didn't want to take attention away from the next person answering their question. I didn't want the mic to pick up our conversation. She she didn't know it was me until after I hit her up on Twitter again, saying, hey, it was nice meeting each other at Gang War. Yeah, that's, that's the Spider Women podcast that we did with them. It was like our fourth ever episode or something. Honestly, one of my favorites as well. Yeah. I really enjoyed that one. We, were, we had a really good vibe going with Saren and Ray. They've just never done anything with Gwen and Jessin since. So. Those three haven't been together well like just the three of them not when their co-workers were involved the three of them haven't been together since 2016 i think it's it's very sad uh another friend of the show we got to meet well two friends uh actually was ann and dallas who we had on separate occasions but that was also another chance meeting like i hit up dallas and like earlier saren i hit the both of them up uh, beforehand saying hey i'm gonna be attending nycc it would be really cool like if we ran into each other and at artist alley i run into both dallas and ann i didn't know ann was gonna be at the show either so ann if you're listening to this i'm sorry i didn't hit you up earlier asking if you were gonna be there yeah no it's, it's very 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 cool i'm very jealous i'm very jealous i i live too far away <laughs> to to go to go to new york 
but uh-huh. but yeah, how I how I ran into uh, um, Anne in Dallas is that uh, when I was just walking through Artist Alley, like going around uh, Chip's table, you know, Chip to Zadarsky. Yeah, they were in line. I saw Dallas first in line for Chip, and I was like, "Hey!" And then uh, he was like, "Hey, back!" And then I asked if Anne came with him. Yeah, and then yeah, she was just right behind him, or um. Or actually, she was just a few people behind him. And I'm like, I'm like, hey, that's so exciting. And then later that night, Anne hit me up saying that like she and Dallas were actually trying to find me after uh, they did their thing with Chip. But um, like at the time, I had to line up early for the Marvel's next big thing panel because like those industry panels, um, you have to tr- if you want to get into the panel, you have to treat it like the airport show up an hour and a half early just to get a good spot in line just so you can pick the best seat first. Yeah, that was that's my only issue with conventions like that is you do spend like half of your day just queuing. And it's just because it's such a huge mass of people. That is the only way you can kind of organize it. Yeah. And NYCC is four days, so it can get tiring pretty fast. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, no, yeah. I'm 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 tremendously jealous i i i yeah i i've i've got to i've got to i've got to do a convention now i've got to do a comic convention i also have to bring up the supples who we've had on the show before during the night gwen stacy died episode we've always been like online talking to each other on the klc press live streams but this is finally in person i got to meet ethan and griffin to clarify for the listeners, KLC Press is the independent comic book publishing house run by Brian Stegman and Donny Cates. Yes. Yes. Okay. And and you've got a you've got a fun sort of fan little fan club that you're all a part of. Um, fan club. Um. Is that is that not the right way? Of, it's probably a bit of an understatement. It's it's a it's it's a it's a community. It's a Kate Stegman groupies community. Sure. <laughs> as, but yeah, it's um. Well, they they have their own comic books now as well. Griffin and Ethan, they have their own comic book. Yes, they are currently writing uh, their first book called "Kill Your Darlings," which I have to mention. Um, issue, like as of this recording, issue number three came out last week because we're, we're recording on. Uh, December 14th and um, issue number four which is going to be the arc finale before um, next month jumps into the next arc uh, yeah issue number four will be releasing next week on the 20th yeah yeah that's um, good for them very pleased for them um, yeah does that does that conclude your your uh, NYCC synopsis I think one last thing I have to mention is I have this weird Mandela effect of whether or not I, if I saw Charlie Cox's Bluey during the con. (laughs) (laughs) That's a a legendary cosplay. Very, very underrated comic book character, Bluey. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because like, to my surprise, like Charlie Cox was at the convention undercover as Bluey and only one person recognized him as Bluey. And that was a comics electric cosplayer. That's so funny. Yeah. Damn. Well, um yeah, I suppose we should get into um the week Gwend update. Uh, our first in a while, so we we have a few things to talk about. Um the solicits for um the next two issues of Spider-Gwen Smash have dropped now. And I'm going to be upfront, there's there's some pretty big spoilers about who we think the big villain is here. Uh furthermore, Issue number four's cover is definitely a spoiler as to the direction of things that that we are expecting. So I'm I'm very reluctant to talk about the content of any of these solicits or covers right before we read issue number one um, with the with the with the listeners. So I'm 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 a little I'm a little bit hesitant to do that. I think we could always save it for during our. Um, analysis or after the synopsis because yeah. at least hey at least the identity is revealed yeah i think i think we can talk a little bit about who 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 the villain is after we've read about the villain as they were initially introduced um there's also been the announcement of another um is it an is it am i right to call it an omnibus 
I think it's more like um, a collection because Omnibuy, uh, they're mostly entire uh, collections. Right. And this one is just like partially, this is only um, collecting. Hold on, because there was a volume one of this that released earlier this year. Right. Well, this looks like the um, like middle middle section of the literal Rodriguez Spider-Man run, um, yeah. and they've included the uh, all-new Wolverine annual uh, crossover where uh, Gwen and Laura Kenny teamed up. Yeah, this only includes um, what was the um, arc after Spider Weapon of Choice up to Predators. Yeah, um, but uh, this is a four hundred and ninety-six page trade paperback it's it's hefty um so you know there's a lot there's a lot of content in there um yeah uh so that's that's big that's coming out um hopefully they finish it this time because they've done something similar to this where they've made a big collection of like the first two two thirds of that run and then and then not done the last one so hopefully they finish it yeah Um, i imagine volume three would just be um the end of the latour run uh Gwenum and uh, Life of Gwen Stacy, and probably um, the majority of Maguire's 20 issue run and Vita Ayala's annual. I'm not sure if Gwenum versus Carnage is going to be included in that volume three. Yeah. Because it already seems like a lot to collect. It 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 does. I I don't quite know how they're doing it. It's 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 getting harder and harder to make sense of how many different collections there are of the sort of original Gwen saga. Cause like you've got the Omnibuy, you've got the initial trade paperbacks, you've got the hard covers, you've got the, um, the, the, the like manga sized pocket collections as well. So you've, you've got a lot to sort of comb through there, but just so long as you're getting all the issues, I imagine it's fine. It's just, it's, it's, um, yeah, I wish they were maybe just a bit more consistent with the with the printing, but I but maybe they maybe they benefit sales wise from releasing new editions like this. Maybe maybe they're incentivized to come up with new ways of collecting the same comic issues, even after they've done an omnibuy that covers all of these and more. Two omnibuy actually technically since um, uh, the first one came right around two years ago. That was just collecting the entire Latour run, and the second one, which just came out earlier this year. That's all of Maguire's work, plus I guess they needed a reason to uh, make it omnibuy-sized. They put in the entirety of Mike Costa's Web Warriors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, anyway, this is this is all minor news. We're, we're, sa- we're saving the big one. We're saving the big one till last, folks. Yeah. Okay, okay. So at Los Angeles Comic Con, all right, the next thing for Gwen has been announced, a giant-sized Spider-Gwen number one, also from Melissa Flores, who is writing Spider-Gwen Smash, a sequel to this miniseries, which we are beginning to review. This episode has been announced. There's going to be a giant-sized Spider-Gwen number one. It's gonna, it's gonna be taking all of these plot threads we've been wanting to, to to talk about for the past two years, three years, three years even. It's been three years. It's been three years since they cancelled the, the the Ghost Spider twenty nineteen comic book, right? And and we're also anticipating the announcement of her next series, yes. right? Which I think this is this that's their wording in their newsprint. Now I think we don't know whether or not that's going to be an ongoing. We don't know whether it's going to be just another mini series, like because we've just had basically four mini series in a row for Gwen. Yeah. Now I th- I think they are waiting to see how the current comic sells before announcing it as an ongoing. And I feel really good about this, folks. I'm feeling really pumped. I'm feeling really hyped. This is big news, everyone. <laughs> I am just, I am, I am here. I am, I am, and it looks good. I mean, it's it's got a Brian Hitch cover, which, you know, we all have our faults. But I just, I'm pumped. I am, and it's like, I'm reading the synopsis now. We've got Orlando Octavius. He's um, Otto Octavius's Floridian son. Um, and um, we're gonna, we're gonna get, we're gonna get, I think we're gonna get some more M. Jarnage. I don't, mm, I don't know, but it seems, it seems maybe there's some, there's some symbiote shenanigans, which we love. We love the symbiote shenanigans. Um, we're also gonna get a Sinister Six. We're gonna get a Sinister Six. We're gonna finally the Gwen Sinister Six is here. I am. I'm just. I'm. I'm living. I'm living. Yeah. I think they've they've made a new 
Dr. Octopus because they didn't like the, the, the organic Dr. Octopus from Spider-Women. I think that's why they've done that, which is a bit of a shame. <laughs> but I'm still excited! Yeah. Ah! Yeah, I, I feel like this should be an ongoing because if you think about it, 2024, that's the 10-year anniversary of the first Spider-Verse event. Um, assuming that it's on schedule, Beyond the Spider-Verse will probably come out next year. I'm not so sure, but uh, it seems like a good way to tie it in. Plus, you know, it's going to capitalize on her success in Across the Spider-Verse. And more importantly, next year is Gwen's 10-year anniversary. Yeah, this is this is big. This is big, yeah. big news. I I just I am. Uh, I, this is we've been waiting for this one yeah. Yeah. for a while, and it's yeah. not Sean and Maguire, which is a shame. She should have gotten to finish off her storylines, but thank God somebody is, because you know as much as those two mini series that we've had most recently have been nice, they were not finishing off any of this. But but finally. Somebody's gone and looked at Gwen and gone, oh, shoot, we've been neglecting this character. Because, yeah, with these plot threads, I was like, um, there is a god. For real. And his name is Null. Yeah, yeah. Well, at it's least like... that's who I worship. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's, it's, it's somebody at Marvel read the emails I sent in 2020 when I was, I was going through a crisis and was really upset that the comic book series got cancelled and went, you know, maybe we could do something here. Maybe we could... Oh, but or, yeah, this is a relief. Or maybe it's the null worshipping that we do. Mm, the null, yeah, the null cults. Yeah, yeah, null, 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 not null Marvel officers. The null, <laughs> the null. <laughs> yeah, um, but, but yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah. Wait, so wait, I think we have to mention that uh, the issue also reprints Spider Gwen twenty fifteen B number thirteen when they encounter Mysterio on Halloween. So, yeah, it's a Halloween special issue. That is um. Which, which I don't. Are they going to use that Mysterio? Because they never really, they never did actually reveal who Mysterio was. He vanishes into smoke before they can find him. So, like, um, that's fun. No, the um, last time they used him was during um Edge of Spider Verse Volume oh, yeah. Two Number Two when he ruined the MJ's concert. Do they successfully arrest him there? I can't remember. I think that yeah, I think they did. Have I got that issue in in the big reading list? Yes, you put it under the Gwenverse saga where it said Gig of Nightmares, where like it's not really essential reading. It's just to uh, set up Dan Slott's End of Spider-Verse arc. Yeah, okay. Well, anyway, on that note, on that positive week Gwen update, 25 minutes into our recording session, I don't know how it'll get chopped down, um, we're going to start the review of the issue here. We're going to be reading... Brand new, hot off the presses. I bought this comic today at my local comic book shop, as as you all should. Um, and um, we 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 last read Spider Gwen Annual Volume Two Number One, which was the the which contest was the weird, of chaos tie-in, the weird contest of chaos tie-in that didn't make a huge amount of sense. Anyway, um, this is this is a fresh start. This is a new era for Gwen. As you've been mentioning, it's gonna have more stuff to follow up so 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 we're getting some we're getting some serious world building in here we're getting some serious long arcs setting in you can you can smell the ambition in the creative team so we've got melissa flores writing we've got pencils by enid balam we've got inks by elizabetta d'amico colors by fernando fuentes sujo and letters by vcs clayton cowles um it's it's a good book folks it's a good book um and um yeah we're gonna do um a little synopsis for it before we review it in full so that we are all on the same comic page as it were um though we encourage you all to still look up read buy this book uh from your local comic book store or from the comicsology link that we put in the description so should we uh, begin absolutely absolutely all right so we open on an Earth 65 gig of the Mary Janes, their first in the month. Midset, a social media star turned supervillain called Pink Velvet attempts to violently interrupt Mary Jane singing while streaming to her followers. Gwen senses the threat before Pink Velvet can go through with the attack and quickly suits up and webs her to the ceiling. Not understanding the threat the band was under, the audience panics, believing that Ghost Spider has gone on a rampage again. The livestream goes viral, and the online opinion favours Pink Velvet. 
Later, her father, George Stacy, senses the social media interaction is unhealthy and pulls the phone out of her hand to give her a pep talk. Gwen is disillusioned with her life on Earth-65, but affirms that she considers her dad one of the few reasons that she still wants to live there. The Mary Janes convene for a band meeting in a diner. MJ is grateful to Gwen for saving her, but would rather Gwen keep her spider zone low-key during their sets. She looks to her longtime friend to affirm her commitment to them as friends in the band, but Gwen only manages to say the latter. MJ explains that the pop band, Dazzler and the Uncut Gems, wants to marry Janes as an opening act for a four-city tour of the U.S. After a heartfelt goodbye to her father, Gwen agrees to go on the tour. The two bands meet for the first time for the gig at Madison Square Garden, but Gwen finds herself distracted with the thought of whether or not Dazzler is a mutant like on 616. Mary Janes play a good opening act. MJ and Gwen are glad that this set at Madison Square Garden was less violent than their last one back in 616, where they were locked in a duel as symbiote rivals. After the leader guitarist for the Uncut Gems, Rick Jones, falls ill, MJ also stays on to play guitar for the main set too. Dazzler puts on an amazing display of lights during her set, perhaps using mutant powers of some kind. Disaster strikes when a hairy hulk attacks the set out of nowhere. Dazzler is able to use her light manipulation powers to protect the band, but the bassist Lila Cheney breaks her hand. Ghost Spider jumps into the fray and disorients the Hulk with webbing over his eyes. It retreats and gets away through the rafters. Dazzler and her manager, Natasha Romanoff, takes Gwen aside and explains that they expected this attack. Dazzler's home was attacked a few weeks ago. Her sister and her friend Pixie were both kidnapped. They hope that with Ghost Spider on tour with them, that they can bait out whoever is stalking and sabotaging Dazzler's life. Natasha also explains that she has worked behind the scenes to stop the Storm siblings from retaliating against Gwen after her return from exile on Earth-65. Meanwhile, the stalker plots in a dark basement, a young scientist who is presumably behind the Hulk attack in New York. Whoa! Whoa! Finally, we got, I think the biggest elephant in the room was plot threads are acknowledged. Yes. So, like, there's references to the end of the Maguire Ghost Spider run, which which have not been properly acknowledged. So, one of the things that happens at the end of the Ghost Spider run with Maguire, we've spoken about this a lot in the podcast, is she is exiled from Earth-65, sent to Earth-616. But, starting from Gwenverse, she's been back on Earth-65, no consequences. So, Natasha Romanoff here is like, actually, I was behind the scenes. Okay, alright, fair enough. The other one was... MJ definitely remembers that she was Carnage. Like, she remembers it, but they're moving past it, right? Yeah, well, I think that was pretty obvious that she remembers because, well, she was lucid throughout the entire time she was Carnage. Yeah, which is which is really intense. And, and I would really, I want to see a heart-to-heart from them because they, they get, like, halfway there and MJ is really, like, extending the olive branch in this issue to Gwen. And all she can say is that, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm here for the band and everything. She doesn't affirm, like, their friendship very well. And it, and she's literally, like, weepy as she's saying it. So it's, like, it's, it's, it's clearly, like, a lot of unresolved emotional tension there. Well, there was some baby steps during the beginning of Gwenverse and Shadow Clones acknowledging that they still need to fix their friendship after everything that they've been through. Yeah. Um, I, I think this series is starting out with Gwen feeling disillusioned in Earth-65, and there's there's obviously two pathways they can take to fixing this one of them obviously is to have a go actually i'm just let's just move to earth 616 and she just takes her dad with her i don't think they're gonna do that i think they've they've wanted to do that in maybe previous eras and like made a sort of trial attempt at it quite unsuccessfully i would say i think this is set up for her to kind of go actually earth 65 is where i'm at this is this is where i want to be and that they'll maybe affirm her earth 65 sort of ness if that makes sense because i think the pattern is that um this is according to melissa flores herself when she appeared on i think women of marvel gwen feels the most at home when she's not at home feels like she'd rather be on earth 616 at work with her other spider pals 
Yeah, actually, I, I will I will speak speak to that a bit. The the uh, Women of Marvel podcast episode where um, I think both Melissa Flores and Sean and Maguire were interviewed. Fascinating. I really recommend that to anybody who's listening to this podcast. Look up the Women of Marvel podcast and go listen to their Ghost Spider podcast that they did a couple of months ago because it provides so much insight into the creative process. And Melissa Flores was really it was really interesting hearing somebody say, "I have read." the the previous runs of Gwen I've read all of them and and I'm taking all of that as I go into my new run um to hear somebody affirm that was just such a relief she also appeared on the uh, this week in Marvel podcast to also talk about the beginning of the book and I could sense she was cooking something when like I was really lit up when she mentioned that the last time Gwen and MJ had to deal with their issues carnage came out to play yes yes right which is which is um which is which is really fun tension to establish because of course it could be it's exactly the kind of thing which two friends can go oh shoot maybe we shouldn't talk about that ever again and then then but but then sort of having it as something which could bubble to the surface introduces a lot of interesting tension into the book going forward because it 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 does seem like something they want to go back to in some way which is really exciting um i i really like the framing in this book of gwen as a sort of enforcer as a bodyguard for Dazzler. Um, I think that's a fun framework for this arc, for this miniseries to take. Yeah, because um like this tour, like it's supposed to be like um well according to MJ, it's supposed to be a means to for Gwen to reconnect with her and by extension the rest of the band. But you know, but because the Hulk attacked, you know, Gwen has no choice but to uh, suit up and essentially perform double duty as being uh, the drummer for the band and now uh, Dazzler's band since uh, Rick fell ill and being Ghost Spider at the same time, even though she made Gwen promise not to suit up as Ghost Spider. Yeah, I will say it is very convenient for the plot to have all of Dazzler's band like fall ill, get mutated, kidnapped, whatever, so that the Mary Janes have to just sort of progressively sub in as her band you mean rick well rick has fallen ill lila has broken her finger or her hand or something like they've worked with lila cheney before right like pixie has been kidnapped so so that's like nearly i think that's nearly the entire band i think when we see them playing again in the next issues it's just going to be dazzler and the mary janes like i don't think they're going to be an opening act anymore i think i think that that all of her supporting the uncut gems will have been cut off um so i i think i think we'll probably get maybe maybe dazzler and the mary janes in by at least by the end of this series i feel like that's kind of what they're pushing for but i'm just wondering even though like um it's been clear that like melissa flores she did do her homework Mm. um i'm just wondering if it's a little bit of an oversight if the mjs had to be once again introduced to lila cheney even though they were her opening act during the mysterio attack yeah damn I, you know, you're remembering that Mysterio attack issue much better than me. I keep forgetting they made that. I, um, it was Lila Cheney, was Lila Cheney a solo act? Yes. Okay. And so what, she has joined the Uncut Gems since then? Is that what we're supposed to? Yeah, I guess that's what uh, she's painting there. Yeah. Okay. Lila Cheney. Yeah. Um... Okay, there's there's a lot there's a lot of mutant rock stars. I mean Pixie as well. I mean this is yeah, it's a it's a whole it's a whole raft of them. Um anyway, uh who who else do we have here? Let's let's um MJ's a big part of this book. Yeah, I, I really like that she's being the bigger person now. Like I I genuinely I like that it kind of it kinda of takes everything that's happened to her. Yeah. And now she's the person saying, I need I want you to be a friend to me. It's it's gone beyond I want you to be my my guitarist. And I think the natural evolution of what happened to her during Gwen versus Carnage is for her to be I want you to be my friend. Yeah, because you have did you notice how Gwen ducked a question about uh being there for her specifically MJ because Gwen was like, I care about the band. Yeah, yeah. I should like yeah. it's it's that Gwen cannot acknowledge that 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 those feelings are there, and yeah. Um, I I think that's it creates a lot of really interesting character tension there. Yeah, it, and it was really cool for MJ to make that King in Black reference by saying, "Hey, we've played in Madison Square Garden before." 
Yeah, and also it kind of affirmed that kind of like MJ is trying to build a bridge here. She's trying to reach out to Gwen. She's trying to break through to Gwen in kind of in a way that does like it kind of parallels kind of what George is trying to do in the book as well. Um where where George went through this process, especially during the first sort of um that during the first Spider-Gwen run, during the Latour run there's this kind of work he has to do on himself uh, and with Gwen to to establish like kind of an open kind of communicative father-daughter dynamic and he does that successfully and 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 they show that here and it's all it almost feels very similar to that here where you know obviously you know Mary Jane and Gwen have a very deep and historically historically deep like friendship yeah, well, but it's well, their relationship is a love hate it's yeah, but it's very love hate, and they don't talk as much as maybe they they should be doing, as is evident from here. And and Gwen is very withdrawn within her emotions and with her commitments. Um, and and Mary Jane is trying to encourage her to kind of come out of her shell in that regard, um, as a friend. And I think that was really interesting, kind of that that this is like a, a really like it, it plays on that, but in a in a new way, which feels kind of natural for 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 all these characters. Back in the Maguire run, do you remember when uh, Gwen made that joke that um. Like Gwen herself, she's so vain that she feels like the MJ song lyrics are about her, Gwen. Yeah, because they're not necessarily about about Gwen, are they? Like they, you know. She... But I feel like the MJ song lyrics here they could be about Gwen, so that's why I brought up that joke again from the uh, Maguire run. Yeah, because it looks like that the lyrics are referencing Gwen, and like how she's barely there for MJ. Yeah, definitely. I I really like what's going on there. Yeah. Um. And I think a really cool Easter egg. Like, I can't be the only one who noticed this, but once I say it out loud, you probably can't unsee it. Did you know that the colors for MJ's top, the yellow shirt, and the purple scarf? I saw that as a reference to her Spider-Man: The Animated Series counterpart, where she's wearing the same colors. You know what? I have not seen Spider-Man the Animated Series uh, for my sins. But are you familiar with MJ's design on the show? Um, no. If you just quickly type up Spider-Man the Animated Series MJ. Spider-Man the Animated Series. They made five seasons? Yes. My goodness. But it only lasted 65 episodes because each season was 13 episodes long. Okay, she 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 does do the scarf. Thing. She wears a yellow top. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, I do see it. It does look quite similar to that outfit. So somebody must have must have must have used that as a reference. No, I feel like um, this is probably what uh, Fernando Cifuentes Sujo. This is probably um a colorist thing because um. A uh, funny thing, I DM'd Anid the other night saying um, that, you know, I loved his first issue. And then I was like, by the way, was MJ's top a reference to the 90s series? And he was like, no, he just likes to design the character's clothing. So I think this was a colorist thing. Interesting. Um, yeah, no, that was, that was really neat. And I would like to speak to the art overall in this issue. Um, I, um, at least as far as the interior art's concerned... I really enjoy how expressive everybody's faces are. Or how fluid the action is. Yeah, the action's really good. I feel like the body proportions are a little bit more abstract, but that's fine. Well, I think in the spider book, you can get away with anatomy. You, yeah, definitely. Because everybody's a little bit stretchy in a spider book, I find. And yeah, honestly, it's a really nice issue. It's really dynamic, especially the uh, coloring done for the concert and the uh, fight that occurs following it is, is really cool. I feel like personally, maybe the color should have been a little bit brighter to give it that Earth-65 vibe. Yeah, it, it isn't quite Rico Renzi, I will say. And I, and, I, and I do feel it is a mistake to sort of not have him here in some, some parts. No, which is strange because this is the same colorist who did, I think, the last two issues of Gwenverse and like they were bright popping colors. 
Yeah, maybe 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 they've had some editor's notes or something to to kind of tone it down. It might not be their decision, but yeah, it's a. Uh, I see it. the the colors are really interesting in the the fight uh, with Dazzler, who is in this book as well. Yeah, um, yeah because Dazzler's shtick, her mutant ability is to convert sound into light, and that's why she has a career as a musician. Oh well, her character makes sense. I didn't know any of that, Frank. I knew she had light manipulation. I did not realize it was it was a sound to light manipulation. That's that's Re- fun. Really, you didn't know that? I I haven't read very many X books. I'm I'm I really outside of Spider Man. I'm I'm not well versed in Marvel. Like I don't like I re- like I I I don't have a very broad range with Marvel. That's that's um uh, yeah that's that's new information to me. But the current thing going around the x books everyone was talking about it two weeks ago is the true parentage of nightcrawler but that's a conversation for a different podcast hey i did read about that and i support it i support mystique's rights to be nightcrawler's biological father let's go it's mostly about like how um everything was based off of lies that's why yeah well, well they, they, they were i think that they were retconning some old old sort of worse story um anyway uh moving on uh so yeah so dazzler is seems very similar to 616 dazzler like i don't i don't i don't know 616 dazzler well evidently but she does not seem different um, no it's like pretty much the same person i think that character slots very well into Earth 65. The Earth 65 trend is to kind of make everybody a pop star. Um, every every villain and every hero kind of has a pop star thing going on, or a rock star thing, or a punk thing. Um, and and Dazzler's already doing that, so you don't need to change her a lot to make her fit in well. But uh, Gwen questions whether or not if she's also a mutant. I think she is because mutants are established on Earth 65. Yeah, they have been like like implied referenced i just i don't um plus mcguire wanted to play with the x-men if she were allowed to continue yeah i i don't i mean i i i i I would like to see a twist on how mutants work in some way i I don't know exactly maybe maybe there's less of them or i I don't know um or, or maybe that the factions are a little bit different in some way i i don't think it would be it fun to have a sort of one-to-one representation of of you know 616 mutants here um i i'm sort of waiting for the twist on that front i must admit but I feel like um with um Dazzler, I don't know if uh, it's the conspiracy theorist in me, but I feel like um, because yeah, Dazzler knew that she was gonna be attacked by the Hulk, but uh, her whole uh, spiel of bringing the Mary Janes on because she wants Gwen specifically to act as her bodyguard and think something's up. Yeah, I I think it 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 is all a little bit um contrived, really. I I've, at least as far as Gwen's perspective goes, is that she's she's kind of walked into the situation as a, as an unwitting bodyguard like she didn't sign up for that she signed up specifically with the purpose of not being ghost spider and i imagine mj is probably going to be none too pleased about that being the reason they're there i think definitely uh, natasha romanoff who has been changed yeah. very substantially from her 616 counterpart uh, for the purposes of earth 65 where she is a band manager <laughs> she was a surprise like and I, but I didn't notice until later when she confirmed her identity. Um, mm-hmm. A nice little Easter egg is that Natasha is wearing the hourglass necklace, the symbol yes. of the Black Widow. Yes, that, I think that was the only giveaway, other than her name being Natasha, that she was Natasha Romanoff. Um, I like the fact that people on Earth sixty five are kind of like vaguely aware of 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 like the rest of the multiverse, just generally. Yeah. Just everybody's kind of like yeah. like she's like I I'm aware of my Earth six one six counterpart being a spy. Um, but yeah, and, it's yeah, and like, I do the same things too, more or less. Yes, I, 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 I think the um the the fact that she is responsible for Sue Storm going away is is I want that story. Frankly, I want to know the story of Black Widow sixty five versus the the evil Storm siblings of Earth sixty five. I think that would be really fun. Because then that would mean like Natasha, she might have done some something lethal, or she maybe she dug up enough dirt on Sue to use against her to make her go away. I yeah um I I I imagine it was probably like a Machiavellian situation. I don't think the Storm siblings are out of play. I I think they're just on the back burner as a result of 
you know, having been put on the back burner by previous writers, this is really, and I'm looking at this as Melissa Flores bringing the Storm siblings back into the picture because uh, they they said they were sort of forgotten about by 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 the previous two miniseries. Yeah, I guess Sue's living up to her moniker of the Invisible Woman. Yeah, for real. Um, yeah. Nowhere to be seen at the moment. Um, we also get. Um, I want to say Rick Jones is the Hulk here, right? Like that's definitely Rick Jones, right? Like, or I feel like maybe he's the Hulk's mole, you know, because you know in the comics Rick and Bruce have a special connection. Yeah, um, I I think it's something like that. He's he's a hairy Hulk, so it might be that the scientist guy, uh, who we see at the end of this, who, you know, is presumably Bruce Banner. Um, is I think it's got to be Bruce. Yeah, I mean, especially like, again, the solicits are spoiling this, um, right? Like, presumably, he'll get like a, a less hairy Hulk transformation, and that's why you know you get the hairy one and the not yeah. hairy one. But uh, did you um, notice that Bruce was in the audience when Dazzler was singing? Oh, you know what? Yeah, there's that shot of him with the glasses. Um, because presumably he's the one who poisoned Rick Jones's sushi that turned him into a Hulk. Right, which is which is kind of what happens. No, they said that they all had the sushi and nothing happened. Right, so that's why it's Rick Jones's sushi specifically, or, or or Rick Jones specifically in some way. He is he is affected to turn into this because I don't think Rick Jones is knows that he is gonna turn into a Hulk. And at least I speculate. But regardless, the Hulk is furry. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess I don't know, um artistic license perhaps. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because that makes him look more like a beast than the uh, conventional Hulk. That's true. Um, yeah, so moving forward into this series, it's it's not going to be very long. Our next issue is going to be taking place in uh, Chicago. So we're, we're going to maybe get some Chicago landmarks in. I don't know much about Chicago. Wait, no. They have an elevated train in Chicago. I remember they have the L. Is that correct? I think so. I don't know that much about Chicago, too, other than their pizza. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, oh, yeah, they have the, the pizza where yeah, the, the cheese is under the sauce. That, yeah, that deep one. dish, where um, which Saren describes it. It's more like casserole. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's fun. Um, so maybe they can make fun of that, maybe. Um, I, I bet like when we have the team on because well Melissa specifically because well she was actually born in Chicago that's why she uh, picked Chicago oh. so and New York is one of her favorite places that's why it's in there too well, well that yeah, and the I fact mean, that you know, obviously Gwen's from New York I'm gonna ask which pizza is better yeah um I guess there's like one last thing I really want to kind of get at with this book is that the the decision to call it Smash, and I understand their angling towards the Hulk being the overarching villain here. Should I tell the story? There's a story. Oh yes, you. I. I. I you do have a story. Yes. Why don't you tell your story? Yeah. So, um, at NYCC. So yeah, I mentioned that. Uh, I met Melissa Flores back at NYCC, and then after asking her if she wanted to be on the pod and she said yes and then like my next question was so was there a, a reason why on tour was renamed into smash and she said that yes it's because of a plot reason to which i responded with uh does it i'm guessing that that it rhymes with schmulk she gave me a coy smile and said that that's a really good guess. And then lo and behold, the solicits for number two drop a week later, confirming that there is a Hulk. Yeah. Um, I just, I don't, there is a combination of the title of this book, Spider-Gwen Smash, with the continuing choice to keep putting David Nakayama's art on the front of this book. And and today, listeners, I, I fell off my bike. It, is, it was not a proud moment for me. I fell off my bike. I had my comics hanging from a carrier bag on one of the handlebars. Anyway, that spill split open my comic books all over the floor. It's like 9 p.m., in the evening, um, and it's December at the moment in the UK, so it's quite dark. So strangers rushed to my aid, and in the dim light, happen upon my comic book with the impossibly arched back, curvy drawing of Spider Gwen of David Nakayama, and the only visible word really on the cover being smash. And 
I have to question how that might have looked to somebody unfamiliar with any of this context. And it probably didn't look great that I was carrying around, you know, magazines with this sort of material printed on the cover. Why do they keep depicting her like this in the cover art? Because she's never looked like this in the book. Why Why have they given it the name Smash? What I I understand it's got Hulk stuff in it, but, but why have they given it the name Smash? I... It's embarrassing. I feel afraid to carry this book around in public because of how it might seem, because of the implication. And I, I don't, why, why Marvel? You've, you, like, you, you've got to stop one or both things here. You've got to stop the weird soft porn templates that David Nakayama is using, or you got, you got to, you got to, you got to, you got to think of, more apt names because the fact that they had a decent name on tour that was completely appropriate and fine and no that that wasn't good enough it had to be changed to smash that that has really rubbed me up the wrong way and and i sit here now with my bruises and and my broken not broken bones but my broken skin my skin broke um wondering how i might have appeared to those strangers sort of sprawled out on the floor with my bike surrounded by um suspicious looking magazines. That's something you're going to have to talk to Melissa Flores about. Well, this is the thing I don't think she has any power over this. Clearly the decision to keep putting David Nakayama on these books predates her. The name change I don't know if that's her or her editor. I I'm just I'm sat here and I'm just I'm a little bit gobsmacked. These covers that David Nakayama is drawing must be making good money like they must be i see no other reason why they would continue to put them on these books i I, and i understand he's a real person with a real job and everything um but but he could he could not draw spider gwen with her back arched in such a way with her book stuck out like that and her ribcage stuck out like that in this cheesy and and like like the suit painted on over her boobs, I do, like like that's not necessary. Like he's not. It's not like I just like there's a different way of doing this. I'd you know like it doesn't it doesn't look anatomical in in not even in an abstract way. Like it's not even fun in an abstract way. Like it looks like he's trying to be anatomical in a sexy way, and it just it just comes off as cheesy. I just it's, yeah. Anyway, that's my tangent. <laughs> but I just do want to say that uh, for the people who want to look at the uh, spoilery kind of cover to issue for it, I, I just want to say, but that cover slaps, though. Yes, it it does slap. Um, however, it is spoilery at the same time, so one has to weigh the va- their their slap and spoilery values. Um, so I think we should um, move into to maybe our sort of concluding sort of thoughts oh, here, perhaps. Think- Maybe one more thing I should bring up is uh, Captain Stacy's employment status. Yes, they they don't call him a police captain here, do they? No, because back and forth in between appearance, they either say he's a cop or he's a former cop. Yeah, because I want to be clear. I I ascribe to the Latour runs interpretation of Captain Stacy as a disillusioned cop who does reject the police force so that he can be closer to his doors. That's his big arc, right, in that run. I ascribe to that. I don't think that Maguire making him a police captain again, as if that had never happened, was wise. And I think it it took something away. I I would enjoy a return to the former going forward. And the fact that this book just doesn't show him as a police captain sort of sidesteps all of that because you don't know. So, yeah, um, it's one of those things, I suppose. Yeah, because uh, yeah, with Maguire, he was still a cop. With Tim Seeley, he said it was ambiguous. Uh, Emily Kim, she said that he was a cop. Yeah, and and I think it 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 shows you how much one remembers of the comic books they've read because. Because obviously Captain Stacy is a cop for like the first ten to fifteen issues of the Latour, and and then he's not. So so you can see how somebody would misremember it or interpret him as you know like being her or whatever. Oh, and yeah, during the Gig of Nightmare short story, Mallory Rosenthal established him as a PI. Oh yeah, 
Like, so I, I really, I would like to see, and the thing is, I think this is where editorial has to kind of take a clear line of, like, this is where the character is. Because you can have him become a police captain again, but I just, I feel like you don't need to lie about why he stopped, you know? And I think if you have to lie about what's happened to a character to get to them, to get them to be the thing you want them to be, then that's just, you know, that's not, that's not enjoyable. Um as a reader um or, yeah. or even i think and honestly i think a lot of it is just forgetfulness i don't think anybody's intentionally going well actually i'm very pro cop and i want to i want to make captain stacy a captain again you know um i don't think anybody's going into it with that mindset i don't i don't think anybody who writes any of this stuff is is even like that pro him being a police officer to begin with i think i think it's just an easy status quo to accidentally default to when when writing spider-man comics yeah, I think. Um, yeah, I thought I thought that was just something I should bring up. Yeah, um, I I mean that is something to pay attention to going forward because I think that will that will define a lot of this era because it did define a lot of the Maguire era was the degree to which Gwen had to interact with George as both a father and a police captain that she would see in the wild when she was crime fighting. So I I think that will be interesting. Um, yeah, but just yeah. watch her next series that he's a cop again. Yeah. Probably. Um, anyway, so um, should we? I feel like we should do comments before concluding thoughts. I don't. I don't know why I leave it until after concluding thoughts. Um, so I threw up a Reddit thread uh, last night, even on the R Spider Gwen subreddit, just announcing that the series had come out and um, looking for discussion with people. So we we have a few replies from a few people. Um, there's a lot of people very glad to see the whole multiverse multiple Gwens thing being retired after two goes at it. Yeah, just a little disclaimer that, you know, we would usually put Twitter comments on, but some of them weren't really viable. So sorry. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I feel like I'd uh, maybe the, the podcast, we, we need to have a consideration of whether we'd like to maybe move some of our audience interaction to Mastodon or, or, or Bluesky um, at some point, because I, I, I do think Twitter is going to, it's going to die a death at the rate it's been going. And it's just, it's, it's just not, it's not fun anymore. It doesn't, um, you know, it doesn't have, but you know, it's, it feels like too much just to handle so much socials. So yeah, maybe it will get there. Yeah, I, I would, I would, you know, I think it would be good if it were a move, you know, and we'd say, uh, I don't know. Um, no, we'll still be on Twitter, but because you know we still have a lot of followers. Yeah, um, and you know, and we're part of the collective, and the collective advertises on Twitter. Yeah, um, this is true. Uh, we've got quite a few people who uh, are glad that they are returning to some of the um, dangling plot threads from. Uh, Maguire's run being cancelled. Um, I think the most detailed comment, though, the the one that's um, it's actually no, a, a good example of that is from Plastic underscore Incident underscore eighty eight six seven. Uh, definitely glad to see that several plot lines that haven't been mentioned in ages are getting attention. I also am more than happy that we are finally getting beyond the numerous Gwen Sonas. The last two minis focus too much on characters that we will likely never see again. And honestly, I like I don't I don't. Like I don't think from Gwen first. I don't think any of them will show up again. But like, do we see anybody from Shadow Clones showing up? No, but we do see that. Like even in a uh, Smash, the impact that finale had on Gwen. Yeah, yeah. Like those things definitely happened, and 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 I, I am glad that they are acknowledging that because those were, those were good. Like they they those both contained interesting character development yeah. for for Gwen maybe less so for Shadow Clones but definitely for Gwenverse yeah. I feel but um, no, even in Shadow yeah. Clones finale still had an impact on her yeah like there's there's clear clearly a sort of a psychological experience that she's had there I feel like that before the whole Hulk element was revealed um, finale would have been a pretty fitting villain for like when it was titled on tour yeah definitely um. What else is here? Um, there's a comment from key underscore put underscore 44. I liked it. It feels like a step back to what I loved about the Latour Rodriguez run. And the plot kind of reminds me of Spider-Man Far From Home. Here's my main feelings off issue one. One, Dazzler. I'm hoping she's going to end up not being quite who she's portraying herself as. One thing I love about 65 is that it's low super. And I don't think mutants quite work in a world that's been focused mostly around science experiment powers. I also hope she's different to 616 Dazzler because the fun of 65 is seeing wildly different versions of characters we know. 
I wonder if the connection to Hawk is more than she lets on. To Natasha, I really like this version of her, but I can't help get a little bit of deja vu about another 65 authority figure using Gwen to be their own superhero. Like I said with the Far From Home analogy, Gwen's being pushed into a great big superhero trip when what she needs is a break. Like Dazzler, I wouldn't mind if Natasha turns out to be a bit more morally ambiguous as the issues continue. But yeah, I loved it. Gwen's written great here, and I love the dynamic she has with the rest of the Mary Janes. The art is beautiful too. Excited to follow this mini, and I'd love to see Melissa Flores write more Gwen comics. It's clear that there's an interest in exploring her character beyond gimmicky variant stuff. Which is a long comment. I'm gonna breathe. Yeah, but I pretty much uh, agree with their point that yeah, um, yeah, this is just like in Far From Home. Gwen just wants a break from all of the spider stuff. Like she just wants to be with her friends and do normal, well, normal-ish stuff. Yeah, I'm pretty sure, like canonically, the original. 616 Natasha Romanoff is dead because she tried recruiting a bunch of kids for a superhero team during the Secret Empire event. Yeah. Like, I'm but pretty they're sure... treating this new clone as like one and the same person, yes, and they are, but that is not out of character for Natasha Romanoff. I feel like yeah. the whole drafting, like, being be, be trying to like, like do her own red room and all that shit, um, she's very about that. I, I think the yeah, I, I, I do like the, the idea of a tour. It is a good framing, having the sort of the moving nature of it. Um, it's like new setting, new scene, sort of it gives it kind of a faster paced thing. I, I do I think it is interesting also like commenting on the idea that there's different like kind of authority figures for Gwen. Like she's always she's being sort of bounced between different people who have different visions for her. In a lot of her books actually, that's a very consistent through line thread. Uh, I think in the Latour one, like she only ever looked up to Cap. I'm not sure if she, she didn't really look up to anyone during, uh, the Maguire era besides Pete. All right, but I'd also argue like Matt Murdock is in there. Oh yeah, he's an authority figure that's trying to like push Gwen in a direction. Pete, absolutely, yeah. In in the Maguire run, definitely she has like mentor figures within her life who. Who kind of give it? Um, Jessica Drew. That's another one. Jessica Drew six one six. Um, so if I had time to think about it, I'd be able to name more. I'm sure. And then, meanwhile, on the other side of the spectrum, you have Miles Warren, who invents any reason just to be with her. Yes. Which is actually, and I will say, I thought initially reading this, oh, the scientist must be Miles Warren. Like immediately, my brain went there. Oh, this is Miles Warren. Like this is just going to be him being obsessed with another another girl and mutating a bunch of people together. But um, but no, it's 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 yeah, it's, apparently it's not. So, um, oh, at one point I haven't um, I haven't mentioned from sort of the main sort of uh text is is there's this whole thing of supervillains in basements looking at screens with pictures of of Gwen on sort of twirling their mustaches and um, that that happens all of the time mm-hmm. and and okay. they do it here again and I'm just I'm kind of very tired of that trope um I'm not enjoying it um it's well it's, you know do what you're familiar with it, it really and I'm reading it and I'm like this is another the maker the jackal the the daredevil the like this is the, they've done this so many times and i'm like they've done this exact scene where they sit there at the end of the issue plotting and you're like oh god um, does finale count because she wasn't in a basement she was in an open concert space yeah but an open concert space at the end of time which felt very claustrophobic so basically a basement so um i i think on that note should we get into our final opinions how do we feel about spider-man smash number one yeah, I think we feel it's um I think this is an excellent is it really an excellent jumping on point if you don't want to be spoiled by her previous one? I feel like it is. I yeah, there were a couple of people who were asking that in the in the thread. I would say, right, in the same way that Maguire's first issue was a good jumping on point, that this also is a good jumping on point, but I would do it with the knowledge that you are gonna be spoiled for previous runs and particularly Maguire's, which is the most recent one which really engaged with Earth-65, I think. But yeah, I do feel like yeah, the, um, this is uh, Melissa Flores' way to um, re-establish Gwen's connection with her own dimension because, you know, with the help of her little trinket, her ticket to the multiverse, she can run away at any time. But by binding her to her Earth-65 duties and her friendships, 
she's not really allowed to run away because you know Gwen wants to be with the band. She wants to uh, repair her friendship with MJ. She wants to be there to spend time with her dad. But recently, because you know she'd rather uh, be at work, you know, with her spider pals hopping across the multiverse because she feels like that she belongs with her spider pals because uh, they're just like her. Meanwhile, on Earth-65, everything's very low super. She's one of the very few superheroes there. That's why she feels like she's probably not really needed there as much as she is needed across the multiverse. Yeah. You you can see there's a clear sort of internal push and pull there. It's um, but yeah, this is this is a very very promising first issue, and and it's one that really wants to engage with sort of Gwen and her main character relationships, uh, which which haven't been touched upon much, um, as much as has been written about Gwen in Gwenverse and in Shadow Clones and in tie-ins and crossovers and whatever. Very little of it centers on you know her relationship with her dad or her relationship with Mary Jane or her uh, commitments to the band or her lack of you know sense of self right and and all of that is in this book and it feels very dense it feels like a proper spider-gwen book of the Maguire or the latour era which you know wants to be in earth 65 um and and i think that's the really the best place for her because you can do things like bring in new characters that really challenge her and challenge her in her level as well so i'm very excited um so next Next episode, surprise, surprise, we will be reading Spider-Gwen Smash number two. You, you, you know it, listeners. We're gonna, we're here for the ride. We, we have been going strong since 2021, and we will continue forthright and and righteous in our thirst for good, wholesome Spider-Gwen content. We're going to put links in the description on where to buy and read more Spider-Gwen and a reading list, as well as also a Comixology link. I, I keep holding it Comixology. I miss Comixology. It is just Amazon, Kindle, digital, whatever now. Um, please read this issue, everyone. Um, please go to your local comic book store and, and ask them to put this issue on your pull list and and turn up on time and pay them. Um, uh, and, and then send us an email at GS Groupies. Um, sorry, no. Tweeters at GS Groupies, sorry, or, or post on Xs uh, at GS Groupies or whatever. Um, or email ghostspidergroupies at gmail.com. Um, we also have a Kofi page um, if you did want to, as as the kids want to say, chuck us a book. If you'd like to chuck us a book. I don't know what a book is. We don't have books in, in the in the UK in the UK. You know it's slang for money. It is slang for money, you know. Yeah, but, but you don't know what a quid is, huh? Then we can solve that mystery. Except it's not as catchy as chucking a few bucks. Yeah, for real. Chucking a few quid? Mm, it's the quid. No, chucking a few bucks. Yeah, it doesn't rhyme. There's nothing that rhymes with quid. What rhymes with quid? Bid? Bid for a quid? We're bidding for a... I don't know. I, I'm going to stop now. This is a tangent. i got to go to bed. <laughs> i got to go to bed. All right, bye, everyone. All right, bye, humans. Bye. <laughs>